everyone, I'm Brandon Odo. And I'm Brian Bowling. And this is Critical Care Scenarios, the podcast where we use clinical cases, narrative storytelling, and expert guests to unpack how critical care is practiced in the real world. All right, welcome back, everyone. Uh, i got lightning rounds for you today, and Brian and I are going to talk about a, um, hmm, I, I suppose you can call it a non-clinical topic, but... It's something that I mean, gosh, I can't even I can't even guess how much of our time in the ICU and, and in most medical practice, certainly inpatient care, we spend doing it. Um, I feel like it gets some attention in, in school, and then kind of not much after that. But it's I, I guess I mean I think it's important, maybe if only by default. But the topic is is documentation and uh, writing notes about patients to describe what you do. And I thought we'd spend a little bit of time talking about um, how we do it, what we think makes good notes, which um, I guess is just our opinion. I'm, I'm not sure there's a lot of science here. Um, but, you know, your, our opinions are, are what, you're, what you're paying to hear, I suppose. So let me ask you this, Brian. What, in your current practice setting, um, what sort of notes do you write on a routine basis? So... Yeah. Well, so first, let's back up a second to what you said a minute ago, because I think you're you're exactly right. This is potentially a very important topic that there's really almost no guidance out there, or there's some. Um, and I don't know about MPA school. In MP school, we do talk about this, and I actually teach. Uh, this is part of one of the classes I teach. Um, but I think the way different people approach this, the, the idea of writing notes is very different. Um, I feel like it varies according to specialty. I feel like it varies according to, um, what's the way I want to say provider type, I guess. Um, I feel like a lot of times the residents, their notes, dep- again, depending on specialty, right? The medicine residents that I've worked with write insanely detailed notes, uh, much more than I would write. Whereas the surgery residents write almost nothing. Um, some residents I will follow and their notes are abysmal. And I spend as much time cleaning up the old note. You know, I can't just copy forward their old note. Uh, and some residents write really great notes. Um, but I feel like a lot of them have been, and maybe this is local to me, have been taught that um, documentation is something you just sort of have to get through. It's not of a lot of value, so don't spend a lot of time on it. And so sometimes I'll see notes that are very out of date. Uh, you know, I'll see a note that, uh, you know, I go to read, well, what an, another service has been saying about a, a patient and a note says, you know, continue such and such, which is, which actually stopped three days ago. Um, and so I think there is a lot this is an important topic that I think we need to, and, and I wish there was more hard and firm guidance out there. Well, I, ultimately, and this is a point that I'm going to try to be making, I don't think there is a perfect way to do this. And it's not for lack of someone trying to elucidate it, although probably that too. But because ultimately, one, it's it's sort of a creative act. I mean, it's it's not a it's not a watercolor, but you are you're writing. Um, yeah. But also because there are many different purposes a note um, can and really is expected to serve and optimizing it for one of them will always end up making it worse for something else. Um, 
I'll try. I'll I'll try to prove that later. But yeah, and I was gonna say I'm sure we're gonna get into that because that I have a feeling I know where you're headed with that, and I think that is one of the biggest things that makes note writing difficult. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, to start out, what do, anyway, you, what do yeah, you write so for notes? Back to, so what do we do? Um, so we write predominantly three different types of notes on a regular basis. Uh, if I admit a patient to the ICU, I write a consult note. So technically, we're a consultant intensivist service. Um, the primary service being the surgeon, or in the case of the neuro ICU, uh, neurosurgery slash neurology. Um, but we are consulted for critical care management in the same way that you would consult nephrology or cardiology or mm-hmm. anything like that. Um, so we write a consult note, but in a sense, it's an H&P. Um, and so that's at our first encounter with the patient. And then after that, we write daily progress notes. I, and I know there's some variation among this. Our group has sort of decided this way, and I think it's probably the right way. But if a patient, if we see a patient who leaves the ICU, we sign off them. Uh, they come back to the ICU but haven't left the hospital, uh, I don't write a new consult note. I just write a progress note and say somewhere, you know, this is a patient that's well-known to our service and we're readmitting them to the ICU. If they leave the hospital and come back, that's a different story. And then the third type would be procedure notes that we write for um, a whole bunch of procedures. And I think those are, this is another good example of some of the, the, different purposes behind notes and how they can cloud things because sometimes some people's philosophy is you write a procedure note on every procedure that you do. And some people would say you only write a procedure note on a billable procedure. And what I mean by that is if I have an arterial line that's not working and I go and rewire that arterial line, I, some people would argue you don't write a note on that because you haven't done a billable procedure. Some people would argue, yeah, you write a note on that because you need to document the, the thing that you did, even if you're not going to get paid for it for clinical purposes. So I think that's a good example of the, the multiple purposes of documentation and how they kind of muddy the water sometimes. I agree, but I, I, I think that actually is billable as well. I could be wrong. Oh, well, maybe it is. I don't know. Like, <laughs> maybe maybe people I know are missing out on some money then. Sure. Yeah, maybe a different matter there. But <laughs> Well, and so speaking of which, that's the other thing is I have found that residents tend to care less about that sort of stuff because they're not billing anything. Uh, right. You know, and so for them, a lot of times, and it, I want to preface this by saying I don't mean this to sound negative towards resident physicians. I don't. Um, they're, they're physicians in training and, and a lot of them are my friends and they're good guys. Uh, but a lot of times I think they see any sort of documentation as impediment to the quote important work, right? I have to write a note. It's one more thing. It's one more chore I have to do that gets in the way of doing the real job of practicing medicine. And so if I Which can, it can be, with, well, yeah, certainly. But so I think a lot of times they take the, the tack of, if I can get away with not writing a note, I'm going to not write a note every time. Right. Yeah. No, I agree with all that. And I think we're, um, we're similar. We'll write a, an H and P in our case, um, cause it's largely a closed unit when patients come in, um, we'll write progress notes every day and we document procedures as well. And then, you know, miscellaneous stuff. If something important happens, write a little note about that or whatever, um, now, um, most 
you know, H&P's consult notes, progress notes, there'll be some sort of, um, you know, introductory text, you know, an admitting note, you of course tell the story of the patient. Do you, here's a, a style difference, I suppose. In your progress notes, do you maintain um, something about that patient's story? And then do you uh, keep track of what's happened to them since they came to the ICU? I know you're in a largely surgical unit, so some of their courses may be shorter. But um, like for us, we, we'd like to give you something of a timeline for what's been going on with the patient since they were admitted. Um, whereas most of our house staff, for instance, will not. And in fact, they may have really nothing about the patient. Um, maybe just the maybe like overnight or, or interval events since the last note. Um, but we like to kind of keep that going. So when you tune into the patient three weeks in, you know what's been going on with them. Yeah. So I, first of all, I would say I'm pretty inconsistent with a lot of this stuff. Uh, there's certain things that I'm pretty hard and fast about, but a lot of stuff I'm, I'm unfortunately am inconsistent with. Um, so you have the t- the narrative at the top, right? That for our notes, the template says previous 24 hours. Um. And so then, you know, it's what happened in the last 24 hours. Um, No acute events overnight. This morning, everything's doing well. The patient has this and this going on. So you won't say anything about before the previous 24 hours? I don't know. So then, but some people will, in that previous 24 hours, not recap what's been going on prior to the previous 24 hours, but will use it as just sort of a general narrative. So no acute events overnight this morning. Uh, Mr. Johnson complains of a headache and blah, blah, blah. Today we're going to do this and this and this and sort of summarize your plan, which I used to do because that's sort of how I was, it was modeled for me when I started until I realized that basically you're just making a lot more work for yourself because I'm detailing the plan below in the assessment and plan section. Sure. Uh, But now one thing I have noticed some folks do, and I, started to do it. And then, like I said, I'm just inconsistent probably because it wasn't how I was originally taught. And so when things get busy, I fall back into that default, but in the assessment and plan section, uh, I saw one time, um, and I don't remember who I learned this from. I think some of the residents, maybe they would start off with Mr. Bob Johnson is a 32 year old man who was admitted on blah, blah, blah with blah, blah, blah. And sort of just quickly in a couple of sentences, summarize the hospital course up to that point and then start the, you know, problem-based assessment and plan underneath that. Well, I do that as well. I, I, I use it as kind of a place to just sort of uh, tie things together, especially if the patient's kind of uh, confusing or something or there's a yeah. lot of details. But I mean, do you find it's difficult to, if it's not written down anywhere, kind of what's been going on with the patient to kind of understand their history? For example, uh, say you go to transfer or discharge a patient and you have to like summarize it or you're just picking up a patient who you didn't know or anything along those lines. Yeah, I do. And so I was going to say one of the, I guess, benefits uh, of the way we do things is I don't write discharge summaries. I don't write transfer summaries. Um, the primary services do that. And so it's very easy for me to keep my notes pretty clear uh, and pretty clean without having to muddle it up with a lot of detail. I have a colleague who comes from a medicine background and she tends to include a lot of detail in her assessment and plan in terms of on this date, the patient did this and that, which where I would delete that and say, well, that's not relative to today's note. Uh, but I think the reason she does that is so that theoretically at the end of the day, when you're ready to write a transfer summary or a discharge summary, 
you just pull up the last progress note and everything is laid out there for you. And in that right. sense, it makes sense, but I think it clutters up the note for, for what I use it for. So I don't do yeah. it. Uh, but I think a running summary paragraph at the top there would help that. Well, and I think this starts to get at what I was talking about. There's no right answer to this. You can have a cleaner, more concise note, which just addresses what's going on today in the plan today. And that's great. Um, or you can keep track of a lot of things that have been going on in the context and resolve problems and things like that. And I mean, that has value too, because for all those reasons, it's, it, I mean, really, ideally, someone should know what has been going on with the patient. Um, and that can be difficult for anyone to do unless they're going to go really back through the entire chart and put it all together. And I, people will have different ways of, um, of, of kind of getting around this. If it's not in notes, some people will put them in some sort of like handoffs or some kind of outside the note place in a chart. Um, some people will start a discharge summary. I've seen uh, floor teams do that when they're, you know, maybe shortly after they're admitted and keep that updated so mm-hmm. that when the patient's ready to be discharged, it's already done. And then, it, but that's another place for that. Um, a lot of places will have something of a, a list or a handoff. They maintain kind of maybe in, in the EMR system or, or maybe even not, but it's separate from the actual notes and they use people print them and use them, to keep track of patients and they'll do it there or whatever. I mean, whatever makes sense for their systems. But um, I mean, it, it's just exactly what we're saying. The when you want a, a a clean short note, then that's great. When you want to have everything there, then that's great. But it's it's, not, it's never going to be the same note. <laughs> right, right. Well, and I think this goes back to what's your purpose, right? What are you trying to accomplish in your note? Are you trying to summarize what's happening today and what you did, or are you trying to keep a running tally of everything that has been done? And I think there's pluses and minuses to both those approaches, right? If I come in and take over the service today and I want to look back and see, you know, something comes up and I didn't get anything about it and sign off. So I'm going to pull up yesterday's note to see, is this something that we addressed? Is this, do we know about this yesterday? Uh, if the note is pretty clean and pretty minimalist, that's really easy to find, Right. It's really easy to scan through the note and say, oh, yeah, here, they noticed that uh, this guy had a fever and this is what they did about it. Versus if you've got this sort of running history of everything that's ever happened to the patient, then that's a lot to read through uh, and a lot to try and find. And sometimes I get frustrated when I get consult notes, particularly from ID. ID tends to be really, really bad about this. And I'm going to say bad, meaning from my standpoint, from their standpoint, it's probably great. Uh, But they have these really, really detailed paragraphs and paragraphs of notes. And, you know, I'm a, uh, I want to be able to scan through that and find what I'm looking for. And it makes it really hard. Uh, But that's not the point of their note. Their point, their note is to be very detailed. Uh, So I guess it just sort of depends on what your point is in writing it and what you want to get out of it as a reader. Well, right. I mean, the counter argument is that if um, something happened to the patient uh, and it was long enough ago that it wasn't like today or or like yesterday, and then it, it sort of resolved or is not an immediate issue, it, it, it may be completely forgotten. You know, maybe if you or your attending or anyone is not on service anymore and it's not in the note. I mean, they could have died a week ago and now they're they're better, sort of. Right. <laughs> but no one, no one will, no one will know anymore. So, and uh, so, I mean, yeah, 
Notes are to, you know, state what's happening in a day in the concrete plans. Notes are perhaps also to keep track of uh, what has happened to the patient in the past that may become relevant. Notes are also for billing, right? right? And that has its own requirements. And I think we are sometimes fortunate in critical care to not have to worry about this as much as some other people because most of our billing is, uh, and I don't know how much all the audience cares, especially if they live in other areas, but most of it is built by critical care time, which is really just based on how much time you spent managing the patient um, compared to a lot of other people who have to bill based on um, numbers of exam findings they performed or a review of systems or how complex a patient was and these elaborate metrics. Um, so at, at least that, that is one thing that simplifies, but I mean, it, it pertains to it. Um, notes are for explaining what you think is happening with the patient and why, but they're also for saying what it is. And if, of course, like you said, if you spend too much time cogitating, it may, uh, obscure the fact that you're ultimately, you know, giving the patient steroids or something. It's, <laughs> you just want to get down to it. Right. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's difficult. Um, now, so flipping to the end of the notes here. Most people will put their assessment and plans here. I is it fair to say that like many ICUs, you guys tend to do this with a systems based approach? I think many ICUs do. Now we don't. Um, ah. We actually do a problem based. Uh, I don't really know why that is. That's just how we've always done it since I've been on this service. Uh, but we do a systems. I mean, sorry, a problem based approach. So I will have uh, you know acute respiratory failure. And then list out all the things with that, and then you know septic shock, and list all the things with that. Okay, so that that is interesting. And I, again, I think another good example of this: doing it by systems um, is a way to track what you're doing with a complicated patient and make sure you're not missing anything. Basically, so like my systems, for instance, everyone's are different, um, but they'll be like uh, neuro cardiovascular, pulmonary, GI, renal, um, heme, endo, ID, maybe something like that. And then I'll often have some kind of not really systems, but categories at the end, such as prophylaxis, GI, and uh, so forth. Maybe lines, keep track of those um, and what you're doing with the patient, their disposition, right? Right. Um, so, I mean, looking through something like that, you, they're, they prompts you to put things in, including things specific to the patient. It's like, oh, they're septic. I'll put that in ID or something. And then also just sort of housekeeping types of things that you otherwise might not have even thought about. For instance, you look at neuro and you know you always mention like analgesia and sedation and things here. So you put something about that. Um, Problem-based, of course, is better for people with fewer problems or less complicated problems because you can just say what needs to be said and not dwell on other things. Um, But I, I think... That well, let me give you an example. Um, whether multiple people write a note is a whole other question. So, for instance, if a like you and I, an APP writes a note in the ICU, and then you have an attending, do they also write a note? And that depends on your local system and how they do billing and things like that. Uh, but suppose they do, uh, which many places they might. Uh, usually, they will write a much shorter note. Uh, sometimes it's just like an attestation on a note, but it, you know, maybe a couple sentences or a paragraph or something. And oftentimes people will look at those attending notes and say, Oh, what a great note. This is so easy to deal with. It's really easy to read. It only says the like one or two things that are really relevant for the day. We're going to diarrhea, so they're going to get out of bed. And then we're going to just, you know, transfer them out of the ICU or something like that. Great. 
this other note has all this stuff in it and it's so hard to read. That's true. However, that attending has the uh, ability to write that concise poem-like note because someone else is writing a longer note. Exactly. They ha- they can comment only on the important, you know, one or two things because someone else is keeping track of all the things that are, I guess, less important or at least less interesting, but do have to be thought about and, and tracked and, I mean, really probably written down somewhere. So, you know, what about the patient's four or five home medications? Are those being, like, continued or held or whatever? What about the, um, you know, the subcutaneous heparin and all those other little things? I, I mean, if you only write about one or two things in the day, are you not even thinking about those things? I don't think that's good care. Um, but again, those are no serving different purposes. One's to say that a couple important things and one is to keep track of all this other stuff. And yes, doing one makes it hard to do the other. Yeah. Well, so I had an attending tell me when I was fairly new, you know, we were talking about um, you know, how much information he wanted to have, right? How much, when do I need to call him? When do I need to update him outside of rounds and stuff like that? And he said, you know, my role is very different than your role. He says, as an attending, I'm over the whole service. And my role is to sort of take the 10,000 foot view of things. So I don't need to know every little detail of what's going on. Uh, I just need to know the stuff that changes the big picture. And I think that's what you're getting at here with this note, right? Is the note the attending writes is very quick and to the point because it's that 10,000 foot view. But like you said, someone has to be taking the 1,000 foot view, I guess. I don't know. Uh, right? The, 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 my attending has the luxury of not caring about the details because he knows I am. Uh, right. versus, it's not because they can't be right. Kicked, they're not. They're, somebody is just else is doing it and writing right. about it. Right. So I think that uh, that's an important distinction. Yeah, I mean, you can. I mean, you could say the same person would write both those notes. I mean, that would be a big pain in the butt. But it's not necessarily that it's different people. It's just they're different notes for for different purposes. Right. I mean, you will see people doing things like like bolding certain things in a note that are actually important. Like I see, I'll see consult notes like that. Blah 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 blah. Please get this lab. Blah 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 blah. Because yeah. they want you to actually notice that. And I mean, that sounds absurd. Like if that's important, why not just say that? But it, I mean, the other stuff is for a different reason. I mean, it's explaining something else or or whatever. Um, I mean, the, another example. Uh, do you talk about things in a note that um, uh, are sort of routine care? So do you say that you'll, oh, I don't know, um, get the patient out of bed? Do you say that you'll transfuse them if their hemoglobin is less than 7? Do you say that if their glucose is above 180, you'll give them insulin? Um, Things that are really just sort of standard practice that you do for all your patients. And uh, by and large, I think no. Um, I mean, there's always some line, what's, what's totally routine versus something worth mentioning. But um, I, I think that stuff is so obvious that it is, it is just in the way. I mean, you can fill a note with pages of stuff like this. That's just, it's sort of obvious. Uh, and it just gets in the way of the stuff that is interesting. But some people would disagree. They would say that this stuff is relevant. So, so I'm, and I'm going to do it. It's part of my plan. So I'm going to say it. Sure. Um, so I'll give you an example. We, we use the fast hugs BID mnemonic uh, that I'm sure a lot of people listening are familiar with. Uh, they sort of go through 
the, the basics of everything you need to make sure is being done for every patient in the ICU, right? Feeding, analgesia, sedation, et cetera. So when I first started, um, I was told, you know, we're very big on this. And at the end of every presentation and rounds, attendings are going to want you to run through fast hugs and make sure that everything's covered. And in reality, a couple of attendings do, uh, but most don't. And most of them actually don't only do it with learners, right? So if a resident's presenting, they'll have them run fast hugs. If a new NP or a new PA is presenting, they'll have them run fast hugs. But for those of us who have been doing this for a while, they just sort of assume that we're getting all that done. And so when I first started, we put that at the end of our assessment and plan section at the bottom of the note, you'd put fast hugs. You'd just list it out. Feeding, yes, they're on tube feeds at goal. Analgesia, they're getting PRN, Tylenol, and oxycodone, you know, and so forth. And now I know that there are some of uh, some folks in our group who don't do that and actually don't like it. They say, you know, it feels dumb to me. It feels like, you know, I don't, I don't need that to go through to make sure I'm doing all the basics and it's extra documentation. I used to put it in all of my notes for my own personal benefit, right? Because then I would know as I'm writing my note, I'm going through and making sure all those things are getting done. Ironically, now we switched to Epic over the summer and our Epic template has that built into it, but it pre-populates everything from the chart. So the, you know, feeding the diet order is just pre-populated in there. And so it appears at the bottom of my note, but it actually does not serve for me any longer the the original intent that I had because I don't even have to look at it. I don't even have to think about it. It just pre-populates it in there. So I don't know. I, I'm with you. I think a lot of times that's extraneous stuff, but I know people would argue everything you're doing should be included. Yeah. I mean, if it's a tool for you, then maybe it's something you look at, but not necessarily document. I don't know. Um, another, I mean, another question that's linked here would be, do you say what you're going to do about things or do you also say why? In other words, do you make any comment on the thought processes that went into your decisions or do you just say the conclusions or, you know, somewhere in between? And I, I mean, I'll go back and forth on this as well. I mean, it's a much shorter note. If you just say, this is the problem, these are the things we're doing about it. Um, it can be a very, very long note if you if you have a lot of kind of musings about it. Um, but either one can be a problem. I mean, you read the note from the day before or a consult note or something, and it says, you know, we're doing this. I mean, you could very legitimately say if you weren't there, why are we doing this? This seems strange. You know, why not something else? And if, you know, there's no common personnel, then you may never be able to figure it out. Um, so I, I'll try to... I'll try to explain my thinking behind things, um, especially if it comes to like a, a, a diagnosis, like why do I think this is what's going on? Or if you're doing something a little out of the ordinary, obviously things that are pretty much routine, not so much. Um, and I mean, s- certainly things that are for other services. So you know, when you get consults and stuff, I, I get a little annoyed if you get a consult and it just says like, you know, don't do anything or something like that. Um, I kind of want to know you know, what their thinking is, because I also could have reached a conclusion on this question. Um, if they have a recommendation, especially if it's different from what I would have expected or a non-obvious one, I kind of like to hear why. And maybe they're going to come by and talk to me or something. But I, uh, and j- likewise, people are probably thinking or talking about 
you know, their own thoughts, what they put in a note. But if it never makes it into paper, um, you're kind of relying on other avenues, and that doesn't always happen. So, again, not really an obvious answer here. Yeah, I know. I think that's a good point, though. I will find that a lot. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be like, I don't understand why we're not doing. That's the one I usually get, right? Why are we not doing X, which is something we would normally do? Right. Um, and I assume that, therefore, there must be a reason. Now, one thing that's nice is frequently, you know, our attendings are on for a week at a stretch. And so if I was on today, but it wasn't on yesterday, likely my attending was. And so I can be like, hey, why? just out of curiosity, do you know why we're not doing X with Mr. Johnson? And they, they can fill me in on that. The other thing is I, you know, I work on a pretty tight knit team and I can just text somebody and be like, hey, you were on yesterday. Why didn't you do such and such? Um you know, on sure. this patient. So that's nice. But I do, I tell my students this too, when they write notes that they submit to me, like these fake notes that you do in school, right? Uh, that they submit to me. When Sometimes what they'll do is they will say, I want to get such and such test. And that's it. That's all they say. And I'll look at that sometimes and go, well, that doesn't make any sense at all. Why would you do that? And so then I can spend, you know, an hour reading everything and up to date and every book I've got on my shelf on this particular disease condition and find out why they would do that. And maybe they have a very good reason. Uh, but more, more often, I'm just going to mark it and say, this doesn't make sense to me. Wrong. You know, <laughs> like, uh, right. and so I tell students, if you're going to do something that's, quote, out of the norm, uh, out of what you would, I could reasonably ex- be expected to know and understand, then you should comment as to why and if there's any doubt in your mind as if that is out of the norm just go ahead and err on the side of caution and comment why yeah why are and you of course this? what's out of the norm but that's the key right is context, what's out of the yeah. norm especially when you deal with uh you know not only are we potentially talking about different services right so id what's in the norm for them is not going to be in the norm for me and vice versa but also when with my students and stuff, a lot of times we're talking about people who come from different backgrounds and different health systems where, you know, this particular thing may be something that we just do. It's just the way we do it here. And it makes perfect sense. And if you, t- if you take anybody at UK, for example, they're going to understand why you ordered that test. That makes perfect sense. But you, uh, you know, your, your shop may not do that. And so if I wrote this note and sent it to you, you might go, I don't understand. Why Why did you do this this way? Right. Well, so that, that loops in to yet two more possible uses for a note, one of which is um, sort of portability outside the immediate care setting. So, for instance, say you transfer a patient to another hospital. They mm-hmm. print out your note. Or, you know, they're discharged or something else, and someone later follows up to see what happened in the hospital and all that. So that's similar to someone in the hospital, but, but different. So, for instance, do you in, a, uh, in your plans and things say, you know, we're, um, we're giving, you know, their home beta blocker or metoprolol or something? Or do you say the exact dose and all that? I tend to not do so much of that because I'm like, hey, it's in the chart. Like, do I need to repeat everything that's in the chart? But what if they're going to print this note out and it's going to the hospital across town? They're not going to have all that other stuff tucked elsewhere in the chart. They may only have what I piped into this actual note. So, the, you know, that's a whole different thing. 
Or, and this is the, the dark reason for notes, what about legal liability? What if someone sues you and this note is part of the documentation? Does that change what you're documenting or how? Some people would say, I should document more because it'll cover my butt. Some people would say, I'm going to document less because that's less anyone has to go on and less they can use to prove I did something wrong. If I don't say it, I, I, it couldn't have been wrong. Yeah, so that's sort of the, uh, the whole, the old, uh, do you know what time it is joke that lawyers make? You know, do you know that, that joke? No. <laughs> A lawyer says, do you know what time it is? And you go, it's 3.30. Wrong. The answer to that is yes, I know what time it is. Um, you know, and, and they'll, they, you know, it's this idea of not answering more than it was asked. And so if you, yeah, if you put less detail in the notes, then that's less information that can potentially be used to hang you with. Um, I don't know. I'm not a very defensive note writer. I forget all the time that that's a thing. Um, maybe that's bad. I don't know. Right. And I, ultimately I think, you know, you, you can always get sued. They can always use anything right. for anything. I, I wouldn't, you know, base your whole practice around that, but whether or not that's the reason, it certainly seems like a lot of notes people are writing, mm-hmm. um, are fitting this mold well, because that's when, how you read a note and it doesn't really say anything. Yeah. And maybe they were being lazy. Maybe they're being concise. If that's different, <laughs> maybe they're trying to avoid putting stuff down on paper that they'd rather not. And we probably all do that. I mean, how many times have you had, oh, I don't know, a consultant or an attending or something to uh, tell you to do something that you maybe you didn't agree with? Maybe your whole service doesn't agree with it, but you're doing it because you're, you know, you're trying to make everyone get along. It's politics and you know, it's, someone has to be right, someone has to be wrong. It's a team, whatever. Um, but you, you don't want to say you're doing it because it doesn't make sense to you. So you just you just sort of say it, but not not why or not specifically what it's for or something like that. I mean, the more you say in your mind, the worse it sounds. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're, we're giving blood for this hemoglobin of nine. Why? Uh, I don't know. Well, that's where, so. <laughs> that's where you use the magic per primary phrase. Sure. Maybe right. you pin it on <laughs> someone say, else. But that, say, then that's the you know, slippery slope, yeah. too. Like, I think this is wrong, but someone said to do it. Well, yeah. maybe you don't quite say it like that. but <laughs> Right. Well, and I think that can get you into trouble because I do think that a lot of times we say things like, uh, you know, transfusing one unit of blood for an H and H of eight and 24 per primary basically means I'm not putting my stamp on that. I agree with those transfusion targets, but it almost sounds passive aggressive. It is. But I think there are times that you could use it and not be passive. aggressive, Right. I might say like, um, you know, systolic blood pressure goal, less than 140 per primary, meaning just simply the surgeon said that's what his goal is. I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily making a value statement about it, but right. You're agnostic about it. Yeah. It's, but I mean, so you're in a, um, a sort of open surgical ICU. We're technically closed, but still with say surgical patients, for instance, uh, I mean, you know, the surgeons are still often closely involved and they'll still, you know, whatever, ask or request or, you know, tell you to do certain things. And by and large, we will. And then technically, I mean, say, it's our primarily our patient. Technically, we're responsible for everything that happens to them. And technically, if it's a dumb idea, that it's our dumb idea. You can't say, well, the surgeon said to do it. Yeah, but it's your patient. But I mean, you can't go around saying, no, we're not going to do any of that stuff because the whole system just doesn't work then. I mean, right. the, the surgeon will be like, well, I can't admit patients to this ICU because they won't do anything. So there's like, there's just, uh, 
you know, compromises built into this whole thing here. Right. Well, speaking of other people reading your notes, right? So that's a, you make a good point about notes going to another hospital or whatever. And, and I'm the same way. I tend to leave a lot of those details out because I, you know, I don't need to put the patient's white count in the note that's available elsewhere in the chart. Um, but what about patients and families reading your notes? Because that's a thing now, right? We, the notes and stuff are available to patients to read. Does that yes. change the way you write your notes? Yeah. Now, so those maybe not in the country or in school or whatever, there was recently a law passed in the U.S. that I don't know. They have a whole text here, but essentially, patients need to have open access to all medical documentation in a you know sort of a timely manner. So most places have a online portal where patients can log in. And now within um, it's within like a day or two for routine things, um, they can look at all this stuff, mm-hmm. including every every little note you're writing. Um, so it, does that change what we're doing? I don't know. I I guess the goal is that it, it just makes you a little more aware of what you're doing, but hopefully doesn't change it, uh, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think I would not write something in my note that I would have a problem with a patient reading. You know, I wouldn't say anything about the patient or whatever that I wouldn't say to the patient. Um, but sometimes I wonder, we, you know, we use abbreviations a lot. And I think certain abbreviations are standard and certain are not, you know, certain ones are, and this goes back to, you know, not just patients, but other institutions, right? Some abbreviations may be institution specific. Uh, for example, we at UK, we refer to the Glasgow Coma Scale as the EMV, eyes motor, ver- eyes motor verbal. Uh, if I say oh, EMV to folks who aren't in the system, they don't know what I'm talking about. That's weird. Right? Um, and that's just a, a unique thing. But also sometimes I think we say things in a slang way, if that's slang may not be the right way. But we would say, instead of saying norepinephrine, we might say norepi. Sure. Um, or levofed, which is, I mean, pretty yeah. understood in this country, but not others. <laughs> right. Um, or or even things that, you know, like, instead of metoprolol, you might just write metope, because that's how we slang refer to it. Yeah. But is that the best practice to write in a note that may that's going to be part of the official record? Yeah. No, I... I Totally agree. And that's one of the things that I try to do, which is just generally limit how much stuff you're writing, which is slang or an abbreviation. Um, and I think the, the, the real lesson here, and people will not always recognize this if they have not worked in a number of different settings and in different institutions, is that all the stuff you think everyone understands, they don't. It is, it is really just your place. Yep. No one else calls it that. <laughs> And this is, goes from, yeah, acronyms and abbreviations to kind of um, uh, slangy ways of saying things. There's often uh, people refer to uh, devices or procedures or things by like trade names, even if that's not uh, even the trade name you use. So, you know, a flexible, you know, small mm-hmm. bore NG tube. Is that a, a Dobhoff? Is it a, um, a KO feed? I've, I've seen all these things, you know, somewhere. Yeah. And that's what they use, or not even what they use. It's what they used to use, maybe. It's just what everyone calls it. Dialysis catheters, there's at least eight or ten names for those things. Yeah. Um, and it's, again, doesn't really assume anything. It's just what they call them. So I really think it's a good idea to just try to avoid getting in the habit of all these things. 
Um, just call them what they are, unless it's a totally ridiculous name that, that you you know you couldn't even like those NG tubes can be a little annoying sometimes. What else are you going to call it? A weighted tip, small bore nasogastric tube or something, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you'll be blown away by you know you you change jobs or something, and then you get a note. And you're like, what is all this stuff? And someone reads your note, and they're like, what is all this stuff? Yeah, and I think you're right. They, we use a lot of these things, and and even abbreviations can get you into trouble. So. You know, not long ago, I remember I was writing a note about a patient who was having some strange chest tube output, and we were going to get a CT scan of the chest and then decide what to do about the chest tube. Well, we commonly put CT for chest tube as an abbreviation. And as I'm reading this note, I thought, this sounds ludicrous to someone who doesn't know the context, right? Because I'm saying CT output, blah, blah, blah. Will obtain CT to evaluate <laughs> CT for possible replacement of CT. You know, like replacement by I'm CT surgery. <laughs> literally, yeah, I'm literally going back and forth between meanings of the same abbreviation in the same sentence, and it makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> but is it going to make sense to someone who's reading that note t- five years down the road? Right, because we forget that that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the the best case is that it's confusing. The worst case is that there's actually an error made because yeah. someone reads something wrong. And that's that's the ultimate thing. And that's what I always – I mean, you can do whatever you want with notes. You, they can be short. They can be incomplete. They they can be dumb. Um, but they shouldn't say anything factually wrong because that, that's crossing the line from, uh, you know, I don't know, sloppy care into poor care. So, if you know, if you can't keep something updated, don't include it. Yeah, you know, if you're if you can't bother to re- read through your note that you copied for and you know correct things that are old, then don't do that because that that's that's too much. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's my biggest beef with when I am training someone who's actually writing real notes, not like a student who's writing school notes, is make sure that things are factually accurate. Which is one of the reasons I argue for less detail included. Uh, because it's less that you have to scan through to make sure that you've caught everything. Um, you know, I'm also a big write it once. That's it, right? So if I'm if I have systolic blood pressure goals for a patient, and this really plays in with the way we do things with problem base, right? So a, a um, subarachnoid hemorrhage, for example, right? In the subarachnoid hemorrhage, some people will put systolic blood pressure goal less than 160. And then the patient also has hypertension and they'll put the goal there as well. Um, Well, but then what if the goal changes now it's in two places that you have to go find it and change it. And the number of times I've found notes where it's changed in one place, but not the other. And so within the same note, you have contradictory information, right? Systolic blood pressure goal less than 200 and then Three lines below it, systolic blood pressure goal less than 160. Which one's right? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, especially if they're not agreeing. At best, it's redundant work. No, I mean, I think, you know, ultimately, what's the answer here? The answer is that there's no ideal note, no matter how smart you are or how carefully you do it. Notes serve different purposes. And um, I think it's good to have flexibility, to be able to do notes in different ways based on the situation. I think it's always true that if you don't, if it's not useful to write something, try to leave it out because that that leaves more room to write about stuff that does matter to you. In other words, I mean, maybe you want to babble about something. Well, if you also babbled about a bunch of other stuff, then this 
it's definitely too much babble. So, you know, yeah. trim things down that can be trimmed, certainly. Um, but it, it certainly depends on the practice setting, too, I think. I mean, again, surgical patients, especially maybe routine post-op kind of care, a lot of stuff doesn't, doesn't need to have too much said about it. You say what you're doing, it's obvious why, and that's that. Um, medical patients, I think, tend to sometimes demand a little more because there's often more diagnostic questions. What is actually happening here? And most of the time when you're saying that, I think it's worth at least devoting a few words to why you think that's the case. I mean, you can say, well, I thought about it, formed a differential, made a diagnosis, and then just wrote that down. But if you don't give any justification why, it's a very fine line to, no, you didn't actually do any of that. You just didn't make a diagnosis, especially if the diagnosis you made is not a real diagnosis. It's a, it's a vague one, yeah. hypotension, you know, encephalopathy or whatever. Um, now, of course, you could also write 10 pages on the, the, your differential for the encephalopathy. That's probably too much. <laughs> but um, I think you should at least be able to, you know, maybe in the next few days, you don't repeat all that. You, heck, sometimes I've written, you know, refer to this other note for, uh, you know, more thoughts on, on this matter. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. The other thing I think is, and we kind of touched on this already, but the question of style when you're writing things you know, are you a paragraph person? Or are you a bullet point person? You know, how do you, a lot of it just comes down to what kind of a writer are you? You know, I don't like to say the patient over and over again. I like to use their name. Um, but I don't think it's wrong to say the patient. Um, you know, I certainly don't, I don't mark off if my students write things that way. Um, no, I, I, I think most of the time you don't even need uh a noun, whether a pronoun or otherwise, yeah, you, you can you can write you know, kind of bare sentences, which which cleans it up as well. But I do bullet point. I mean, I, I said I would do systems. So then, which then a system will have a problem, uh, and then within the problem, I'll have um, I'll have bulleted lines. So and, and some of those will turn into paragraphs, certainly. But uh, then it's an easy right. way to break it up, kind of as you please. And I mean, I try to format the whole thing in my templates in a way that is relatively readable with the structure, um, but also quick to do. If there's too much sort of formatting then doing that as you go when you're busy is, is going to be too much. So that takes experimentation sometimes. And even in your own EMR, kind of what's easy to kind of bang through uh, without having to fiddle, but is, is still easy to read after. Or and then if you dictate or something, it's a whole other matter. But Yeah, well, and I always tell new providers, new NPs, new PAs that I'm training, your note is your note. I, I can tell you how I would write it. But really, if you're including the stuff that needs to be included and you're not including the stuff that doesn't need to be included, then how you do it is up to you, right? I'm, you're a grown-up. I'm not going to tell you it's wrong because it's not the way I would have written it. And then, you know, we didn't talk too much about it, but uh, procedure notes, um, this, a lot of the same stuff applies. Uh, many systems have little templates. You can just click kind of the usual things for it. And I think, I think that is fine, honestly. I tend to do a little narrative for them, explaining what I actually did. Um, and that doesn't take as long as it sounds because I just make uh, little dot phrases, stuff I can dump mm. into the notes for how I do procedures. But I think that is sort of useful because it explains not just vaguely but exactly what I did. And while maybe nobody cares, um, if for any reason anybody ever did care, it's down there. And then more importantly, if something uh, complicated happens, something out of the ordinary, um, not necessarily catastrophic, but just anything comes up, you know, I had to take two attempts to do this, or this wire wouldn't pass, and I had to use this other technique. Um, it's easy to explain that. Whereas if you don't even, you weren't even describing the procedure in that detail in the first place, it's hard. So then you end up not even saying it, and then 
the more stuff happened, you know, the more you, it would kind of be a good idea to explain it. You know, it's not not a problem if complications occur. It just you should say they occurred. <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel like that's especially important in intubation notes. So a lot of times, if I'm getting ready to intubate a patient, I will go pull their last intubation note if they've been intubated before. And that's very helpful because someone will say, you know, uh, I used a a three Mac blade. I do DL with a grade one view. Uh, I place a eight O tube easily. Then I know, okay, well, this is probably going to be a pretty straightforward intubation versus if, you know, the note says it took multiple attempts. Uh, I had to call my attending. Uh, we had to use fiber optic you know, intubation techniques, we had to use special tools and stuff. Okay. Well now I'm going to get some stuff ready because it looks like this is going to be potentially hard. Right. Yeah. I mean, the worst is, you know, a procedure was done and there's a, there's a note or something, um, but it doesn't really say what happened and you know, some weird stuff happened. (laughs) Yeah. Like the patient ended up with, you know, bleeding or something like that. And you're like, what happened? Well, I, I don't know. And, you know, maybe they were trying to avoid saying too much because they, you know, they were worried about what happened or whatever. But I, I, I mean, I think that just ends up making making things worse. You can't, you can't duck it. It, whatever happened, happened. Right. <laughs> People should know. All right. What else can we say about notes? Uh, real quick, I mean, t- let's talk about when you write notes. Mm. Do you? Uh, so you cover mostly during the day, right? You do, or do you do twenty four seven coverage? Um, well, we uh, we rotate on nights as well. Okay. Do you write routine notes at night, or do you only write? those sort of special event procedure and admission notes. It just as something happens, okay. you admit someone. Yeah. So I know some places do, we'll split that up and say like half of the progress notes are written by the day team and half of them are written by the night team. Uh, we're, we're not like that. We, all our progress notes are written by the day team, unless a new admission, new consult, new something happens. Sure. I've only seen night pe- teams do notes. Um, I guess in, in really primarily surgical units, um, and I always thought it was weird because they're not the ones really making the plans. I mean, yeah. people will do like ahead of time, like for the next day. And like, how do you know? I mean, they'll make a whole different plan. They're like, well, nobody cares. Just a yeah. note. And I'm like, well, okay. But <laughs> so then you know, the note that's written down doesn't actually mean anything. I don't know. I'm a little skeptical, but it's, it's all for workflow reasons, of course. Yeah. So, uh, the other part of that I think is when I first started out, I would write notes and then pen them, save them as incomplete and go back and adjust them throughout the day. Uh, and I would finally sign them like right before I left, right before I signed out for the evening. Right. Um, because I would say, you know, well, this is what I'm going to do, but then that changes. Um, and I would want to update it. So it always be accurate. And then someone pointed out that what's well, never going to be accurate, right? Because right. <laughs> at some point you're going to sign it and at some point something's going to change. And yeah, so unless your goal is for this note to turn into the patient's biography. Yeah. <laughs> And so then now I have this sort of, it's a snapshot in time philosophy. And I try to get my notes done as soon as I possibly can so that I can have the rest of the day to carry out that plan. And that may mean, yeah, that the the plan as detailed in the note changes. No, exactly. I, I agree. It's it's a snapshot. And you can decide when, when that snapshot reflects 
um, as a starting point, I would say it's the morning when you examine the patient because yeah. you do have a physical exam in that node. Right. And, you know, if things change before or after, it's going to be really confusing. If you, like, say you examine the patient and they're intubated, then you extubate them and you document as if they're already extubated. Well, that's weird. Doesn't, isn't there a tube in the patient's throat? Right. So, I mean, yeah, people will probably figure it out. But like, like you said, I mean, it's, it's never going to be perfect. It, if you don't just like call it quits on this thing, um, I mean, you, you got to be able to move on the other day. You got notes on your checklist of stuff to do. You need to get them out of the way so you can do some other stuff. You don't want to get to the end of your shift and have all these notes to finish. Because right. <laughs> so make it reflect some period of time. And then if something important happens after that, put another note in. You know, yeah. A little something. And I or think, it'll be in tomorrow's note. Right. I was going to say. Because is reflecting a, you know, whatever, 24-hour-ish period. And when you describe things, it reflects the last period period of time right and everything is else is going forward the plan now yes if something important happens you should mention it so the next person to write a note knows that it happened they're not just confused right but <laughs> well and i think the the next question is that the decision of when do you write that second note right of the day something big happens when do you write the second note and i think obviously if it's uh you know patient codes well that probably needs a note that you know the patient coded and this happened and blah 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 but but short of that, what's your threshold for what needs to be in a, a note by itself today versus can just wait to be updated tomorrow? Sure. I mean, yeah, minor stuff will just maybe pass along and someone else can deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a, if a clear difference in what the plan was that you had already written about, I think it's worth saying. But, I mean, if there's a, something really gets sick and you're, like, actively resuscitating them, then it's like, yeah, when do you write this down? It may keep, this may be going on for a while. Do you just wait until everything is, is done? Usually I'll wait until the sort of issue reaches some plateau of stability, partly because that's probably when you have time to write it down. Right. When you were running around before. Um, but also, I mean, yes, you don't want to have to keep updating or changing a note or something. Yes, you can always write another one, um, but that's usually it. And sure, I mean, this most comes on, at, I find it nights. Um, cause that's seems to be when you're more likely to be just like sitting there resuscitating a patient for eight hours or something. And mm-hmm. if, if you're sitting up all night trying to keep patient alive, um, I'll often write something down and maybe, you know, not sign it and keep updating it. And then, yeah, sign it at the end. Um, and just, I, I just know that that's something I have to keep, keep up with. Um, but cause someone like that, it's not, they're not going to, you're not going to fix the problem probably unless it was a, some isolated thing. They're just sick and you've been dealing with it. And then you want to be able to put it all in there, sign it, and and probably bill for that time. Right. That's the other purpose of this, right? Technically, you can, uh, you can, you know, you can bill for critical care time in increments and stuff, but it gets really weird and confusing if there's a bunch of little blips. Like, oh, I had four minutes of critical care time here, and then six right. minutes here, and then whatever. So that's that's a lot of times my trigger to write a note is if if I put in a significant amount of time that needs to be added to the total of critical care time, then I should probably write a note. And I don't mean that because, Hey, that's more money I can bill, but I mean that I've done a significant amount of stuff, right? If I, if I wrote a note this morning and build 40 minutes of critical care time on a patient, and then I end up spending two hours in the afternoon doing some stuff. Well, that's probably significant enough to deserve its own note. In addition to, the increased uh, documentation for billing. Right. Yeah, they sort of go together. I yeah. mean, if you spent enough time to bill, it was almost certainly enough time that you should make some note of it. Yeah. All right. I think that may be about all we have to say about notes. Obviously, more could be said. Um, and documentation as a general philosophy is just one of those things that's 
not going away anytime soon. It's That's part true, of modern yeah. uh, medicine. It's, I mean, people who do not do medicine are so surprised to wander into a hospital or an office somewhere and realize that mostly what people are doing is sit in front of computers typing. Yeah. But that's just how it is these days. I would really be interested, if anybody's out there listening, um, who practices outside of the United States where billing is not an issue, I'd really be interested to know how that affects your documentation, how it changes things, or does it? Um. I'm so, curious too. I, I, my guess would be for critical care, not too much because I, I feel like, I mean, we don't just be because of how it's billed. We don't yeah. need to spend too much time, uh, you know, morphing our notes to meet billing requirements. Right. Um, not so much compared to like a, an office visit or something where people are like, Oh, I, I, you know, examined 13 systems. Right. I don't really feel I the need to include specific boilerplate. Right. I mean, you can bill, to... bill critical care time on any note if yeah. it's. You could justify. You could write a sentence or something. It would be sort of ridiculous, but... <laughs> All right. I guess that'll be it for that. Um, we are going to have uh, another case for you guys in a couple weeks, and I'll see you then. 